Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts. Jay and Dre. I don't know what time it is. Time for a much less detailed podcast. Here with you live on a Saturday night, November the 11th, 2017. Shout out to all the veterans. Thank you for all your service. I am Dre. He is Jay. We are here to try to break down week 10 in the NFL, trying to figure out these picks, trying to figure out the, the, the soup, the, the NFL soup, trying to decipher all of this that's going on the odds makers have spoken as far as these new quarterbacks that came in last week and were less than impressive uh, we'll find out as we make those picks what they think of those quarterbacks there's some big time spreads for uh, for some of those those newbies that didn't show much last week week 10 of course started jason thursday night with uh, a very unlikely come just based on uh, the probability of, of PATs in general, which is less probable than they used to be, but they're still pretty much a, a lock. But uh, thankful for Jerome Lane and the Seattle Seahawks as, as Lane dives and goes all out to block a PAT to preserve what would have been a push for me. I actually, uh, tell me if you think I'm, I'm full of it, but I actually look at it uh, this way. The fact that it was a, a push for our pick, uh, I take it as a positive, throwing out the outcome of the game, but looking at how the game broke down and how it played. I think it actually went the way that both of us said it would. And so maybe a push is is a a logical conclusion, but I think we both thought that it would go a certain way and certain things would happen. And we were both pretty much right. And I think that actually bodes well as we try to break down the, the rest of these crazy picks. It was, you know, you'd think that I'd be upset because of the of the push, and I and I wasn't because I don't think either one of us deserved to win that pick. <laughs> when it when it really boiled down, I think the push was the was the outcome that we both sort of deserved because Seattle was was clearly better and really had no reason to do what I said would happen, which was Arizona was going to we'll show up and they'd hang around. And I thought they had a chance to maybe sneak out with a win. Um, they got down early. It looked really bad for them. And then this sort of war of attrition started where you just have injury after injury. And, you know, and you've got guys just basically laying dead and wounded all over the field, it seemed like, in that game. And then to have basically you have the win all sewn up completely. Arizona gets a garbage time in more than garbage time touchdown under about what half a minute left to go in the game. And now then it looks like I'm going to win with the extra point. Then Seattle for no reason goes all out to block that extra point because it had no bearing on the outcome of the game. No, it it still looked like Jeremy Lane had some, some, some moolah on that uh, outcome. (laughs) Like he had six and a half or something. I don't know. Yeah. So 
it really was one of those where I think I felt lucky in getting the push also, and I'm sure you felt lucky in getting the, so I think we both, although I had the most negative late outcome, if they hadn't scored the complete garbage time touchdown to even put it in push territory, you would have had an easy win there. But Arizona didn't quit, but you saw, I mean, Adrian Peterson right off the bat puts the ball on the turf, gives the Seahawks great field position. They'd finally end up playing this battle of field position early with the Cardinals, and you could see that the Cardinal offense just wasn't able to do enough, and then the Seahawks just kind of pushing them deeper and deeper and deeper into their own territory, and then finally that breaks, and they get the uh, they get the touchdown. And then it looked like Seattle was going to be in complete control of that game. And then Seattle, is, as they've been doing, um, has been having some lapses on defense. And then they let they let the Cardinals start getting the ball moving. And it was just a weird game, I, I think, highlighted by all the injuries was what really stood out to me. Um, and it seemed like a lot of these guys who were nicked up and probable or questionable, I guess it is now, everybody's questionable going into the game, a lot of those guys ended up, getting hurt <laughs> and in like Richard Sherman's case uh, out for the season. So trying to play hurt on the short week didn't do him any good. And then we have another Matt Moore situation with uh, Russell Wilson, where he's ba- he basically gets jacked up right in the face and uh, only does comes out for the, the one play. And now the league of course is investigating that just like they did last year in the playoffs with Matt Moore. That's exactly what happened. He, he clearly was not himself. The referees even saw that he was clearly not himself and made him leave the field for one play. And he pulls the okie doke. He walks over to the tent and steps, sticks his head in there, steps in there for about three seconds, and it comes right back out. I'm good. I looked in the tent. It looked dark, and, and I, that's, that's all I need. I'm good. I'm fine. Carry on. Yeah. So, once again, it just shows that the mockery, these concussion protocols and everything that the players, and not just the coaches, that the players are also making of it because these guys know where their checks are signed and what their livelihood is and what they're supposed to be doing, and that at any minute you could be injured and that's it, and replaced. And there's, you know, and then and these guys are also, they're, they're highly competitive and they want to be out there. They want to do their job. And what's a little concussion here? You know, what's what's a little what's a little you know you know what's a little bell ringing? You know, just give me some give me some smelling salts and let me get back out there and I I can handle it. That's all they called it fifty years ago. Well, he just got his bell rung. He'll be all yeah, right. Bell rung. That wasn't even. Well, that wasn't even these days. No, this wasn't even fifty years ago. This is clearly well within our lifetimes. That guys who didn't yeah. know where they were were letting back out on the field to play. The craziest part about the Russell Wilson pulling the okie doke and coming back in is that I I made the information in my notes. Wilson looks a step slower mentally and physically. If I may diagnose as a doctor from my couch, I made that call or wrote that in my notes. The play before he makes all these many, many ill-advised spin moves and pivots before flinging the ball to uh, to Doug uh, Baldwin for a catch and run of 54 yards. So the biggest play of the night came on a play where your quarterback was so dingy and concussed that he's spinning around like Michael Jackson in concert and, and making all these really bad decisions 
spinning and going backwards. And he, for all rights, for all intents and purposes, should have been put down for a sack of about 15 yards. And it winds up being the biggest play of the night. And maybe that explains and spotlights right there why all these guys want to keep playing no matter how dingy or bell rung or hurt they might be. It's because you can make such an impact on one play and swing a game completely in the, in one direction or another, and you only get 16 of these games if it's if you're in the NFL. It's not like baseball where if you miss a game, you got 160 others to make it up. Uh, they want to stay out there for every single play, every single minute that they possibly can to make every single piece of impact that they can, and, and that sort of backs it up right there. It's, it's hard to argue with them when you see something like that. I mean, and these guys, they, they know what the deal is. They, they apparently, they, you know, the, 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 the protocol though there is to save the players and the coaches from themselves. And, and, and here it is, you can't hide from this anymore with all the cameras, all the evidence, I'm sure it will amount to nothing more than like what we had with Matt Moore or the legal investigated and they'll come back and say, yeah, you probably shouldn't have let him back out out in the field. And uh, here's a here's a here's a cheap fine. Okay, move along, guys. Go go get your brains bashed in. Have fun. Right, that's the problem with it is you're gonna send some independent person out there to save these guys from themselves when literally nobody involved with the situation wants to save the player from themselves. The players don't want to no. save themselves from themselves. The league doesn't want the players to be saved from themselves because they won't have any stars left on the field if the independent neurologists do what they actually are supposed to do. So there's all this right. wink, wink, nudge, nudge about, yeah, we really got to look at him right this second. He's really hurt. And he steps in the tent for three seconds, comes back out. He's good. He's fine. And he goes right back in. If there was actually an independent physicist or neurologist, if, there, if that actually was the case, there's no way they would have let him back on the field after that. Right. Yeah, Russell Wilson walked up to the tent and did the old, wait a minute, I feel better. I feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, sure though, he probably did not know where he was. He just – muscle memory took over at that point. And, the, and him coming back is why I was able to get a push because that long fling leads to a, a Jimmy Graham touchdown, his second of the night, to put Seattle yeah. in position to weather the garbage time touchdown and, and still maintain a push. So go figure. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big contradiction that said work, and I don't know if it's going to get solved anytime soon. But <clears throat> so you know, with more of the so more on the X's and O's side of that, when we think about the Seahawks now, you have this situation where that we we know their offensive line is no good. We knew this was going to become, you know, Russell Wilson, like we talked about with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. These guys just fighting to survive. Now the Seahawks have lost their their best defender. Earl Thomas is banged up. Is this the Rams division to lose now? Oh, boy. I don't even want to contemplate a world in which the Rams are the prohibitive favorites, but uh, they're, they're the most old the team right week. now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to contemplate. I didn't say anything about the spreads aren't <laughs> out of whack. I just said I don't want to contemplate it. But, uh, yeah, the, the Rams are the most whole team. They're the most – they're the least injured. Uh, they're the most balanced. And, yeah, it's, it's – yeah, you can argue it's about as much their division as uh, the, the 
the NFC East uh, has Philadelphia's division for the past yeah. three or four weeks or so. Especially now that Ezekiel uh, Elliott, you can play the Law and Order uh, uh, sound once again because now it's finally, finally, finally uh, a, a final decision that, that Zeke will not be uh, active tomorrow and probably for the next six weeks, although I guess uh, at the beginning of December there's more legal drama that may unfold that may result in him getting another injunction, although he will have already served, I think, four of his six games at that point, so it's almost like, why bother? But anyway. Yeah. I feel um, like I'm watching the OJ trial here. We need to go dig up Roger Kosick and Greta Van Susteren. Oh, no. No, we, we can leave them wherever they are. I'm sure they're they're very happy. Where's, where's, uh, where's Pedro Gomez? He always likes the <laughs> he always likes the legal stuff. I know he was like tied to the hip to Barry Bonds and all the Balco stuff, but this is just yeah. Is it over? I mean, is this just it? Is this just done with? Did they finally wherever, realize that they weren't going to win? <sighs> wherever Nancy Grace's sleeping, let her lie. Just just let her stay asleep. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, the, so at least the, you know, now we know that the Cowboys they get to move on minus Ezekiel Elliott. Finally, finally we finally. know. So, do you think we deep think. down that the Cowboys would have just preferred to have just had him gone early, and had he just taken the suspension and been gone for those first six games, and then come back fresh for the for the stretch run here? Because they're missing him for a very important chunk here now, especially where they're at in that division, uh, looking up. I think you can argue that, and then you can also argue the flip side, which is losing him now and having him fresh and ready and roaring and, and ready to go for the stretch run in December might be uh, something that they would prefer as well. I think uh, you can make an argument either way. But I, I think if I if I would have to get into the minds, I would guess that they liked having him as long as they could possibly have him, just to use him as much as they could and then have the suspension come down whenever it comes down. I think they would prefer probably to have had it go the way that it went because at least they had him. At least they were able to do what they could with him as long as they could, uh, which is much more preferable to them, I I think, than losing him and hoping that he comes back okay later on. I'm just trying to imagine what it was like for these teams on the other side trying to game plan where it was, he suspends, he's not suspended. We're going to face him. We're not going to face him. I mean, that had to just be wreaking havoc on these teams that were trying to game plan their defenses against the Cowboys, where for a 24-hour period, he's not going to play, then he is going to play, he's not going to play. It, it, this went on and on and on and on every week. That had to be nerve-wracking for these defensive coaches and head coaches trying to scheme the Cowboys for the first nine weeks. Yeah, probably. But at the same time, they're so set in what they do now with that offensive line. I think there's not going to be all that much difference when they come at you tomorrow and for the next six weeks. So, so I don't know if it makes all that much of a difference. He is as dynamic as he is. He's probably the uh, best pure running back in the league, arguably with Le'Veon Bell and, and David Johnson. Um, as dynamic as he is, I think the Cowboys are still going to come at you full force with that offensive line, it, it might result in, you know, five less carries for the for the run unit as a whole uh, as compared to if they had Ezekiel Elliott. But overall, I don't know if it's going to make all that much of a difference. 
That will be interesting to see. They've got they've got a you know big game tomorrow night, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes right off the bat. So Thursday night football, um, the arguments renewed all over again about how terrible it is for your health. Uh, you talked about Richard Sherman out for the year. Uh, three different other Arizona Cardinals also got injured and, and apparently out for the rest of the year. Uh, this on top of uh, Russell Wilson going dumplings and this on top of Adrian Peterson doing what I thought 30 year old running back would do three days after having 37 carries, which is nothing. Um, it, it's, it's beyond time to probably do something about these Thursday night games, but what are you going to do? They're not getting rid of them. The ratings are too high. The money is too good. The contracts are, are signed with these networks and they're negotiating even more with, you know, Yahoo and Amazon and all that stuff. My proposal, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show before, but I, I just would make it where you rejigger the schedule and make sure that whoever's playing the Thursday night game did not just play three days before, whether it's a, a bye week or a rolling bye week throughout the entire season. You cannot, to me, you cannot ask these guys to go out here and do what they do three days after they just did it. It's so physically taxing. It's the most physically grueling sport on the planet to me. And they already spaced these games out a week because of how grueling it is. And now you're just going to shorten it to three days. Three days. Uh, they've been doing it for a while. This is new. But I think it's the point now where I just think something has to be done. I don't know if you have any solutions better than that or if you would keep things uh, as the status quo. Well, it becomes tricky. Um, I, if they're going to do some adjustments to the schedule so that the team that plays on Thursday night doesn't have to do it that way, then the way that the schedule is laid out now, you wouldn't start your Thursday night schedule until around week four, you know, when the, when the bye weeks begin. And then you figure out a way to roll that through. And, you know, you run that through about Thanksgiving, right? Because Thanksgiving is truly the, um, you know, I remember when Thursday night initially was only going to kick off. I remember the first time when they rolled out Thursday night football, it started Thanksgiving week and then just ran through the rest of the season. You know, you know, and as they get later after all the bye weeks are over, maybe they start looking at maybe doing some more Saturday because we already get a lot of Saturday football, but then they don't want to be competing, you know, go up against college too much. It's it's a tricky scenario. I, I, I like what you're going for, but there's no way you'd be able to do it all 17 weeks unless they came up, you know, with different bye week structure and everything for all these teams where right now they try to run these bye weeks from basically week four up until that week before Thanksgiving. Cause usually at Thanksgiving, we get the full slate for the whole, you know, that's the home stretch for all these teams from Thanksgiving on through the rest of the year. So there, there's a, there's potential there. They just would have to, you know, this is all going to be, we talked a lot about the uh, collective bargaining agreement when we were talking about with Goodell and, and that, and with, you know, them wanting the 18 game schedule and how are they, what are they going to do? That's going to all, I think have to be bargained out because I don't think the players or anybody are really all that enamored with this Thursday night football, because a league that talks about player safety, here's example. Number one, what we just watched on Thursday night with all, you know, basically the, the game lasted forever because every five minutes, 
somebody was getting walked off the field. Yeah, you but cannot argue that, that you they don't give they a don't rat's ass about player yeah, safety no. and, and then no. have this disciple schedule. Yeah, that there's bugs to be worked out in, in my little plan. I haven't obviously thought through all of the logistics or many of the logistics. All I know is I'm starting with the premise of you cannot ask these guys to play a game three days after they play the game ever again. Can't can't do it. Can't do it. Right. I got to get all the Mike Singletary drops loaded in. Uh, yeah, someday. it's it's no it's no different than um, what what used to happen for the London game, which was the teams would play in London and then go right into their bye week. That's really interesting. That it seems that the guys that are uh, that are not taking their bye week the next week are doing it voluntarily. It seems like okay. they're electing. Yeah. To, to to they they the buy would come so early then because these London games are all earlier in the season and they've calculated in their minds they'd rather have their buys later in the season because their guys are so much more beat up later on and that's why they're electing to take these buys uh, later instead of earlier so I, yeah. I see that point I I I'm with you I'd rather not play after flying uh, to another continent uh, having to come back home, reacclimate myself, and then play again the next week. That that doesn't seem to be a good idea. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just sitting here at home. Yeah, and and if you're looking at it from a scheduling perspective, if you do have a bye week going into that Thursday game, if you think about it, you're going to end up playing one game in three weeks mm. because you're going to – you know, but that huge layoff between the Thursday night game and then the 10-day layoff again after that Thursday night game. Right, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's um, really, you know, what they just need to do is get rid of the damn thing. That's never happening. I, I, you have to work around the fact that Thursday uh, night games are here to stay because they make so much damn money. Yeah. Right. But the, the quality of football, the quality of football on Sunday hasn't even warranted having a Thursday night football. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we've talked for years about the, the the actual quality of the games on Thursday, never mind the injuries, but the actual quality because these guys are clearly beat up and, and not anywhere near 100%. We've seen that for years and years and years. But now you're, at, you're adding in these catastrophic injuries. You have to watch uh, the best cover corner of his generation, Terrace Achilles, and it's just – not fun at all. It was, it was not easy to watch. It made me feel uneasy watching it, and I'm sure a lot of other people felt the same way. And it's not like I'm an idiot and I'm thinking that Richard Sherman would have never torn his Achilles all the way if he hadn't played on Thursday night. Of course, it's football. Of course, he very easily may have eventually torn his Achilles uh, later on. But the fact is, it happened on Thursday night. So yeah. it's right there for us. And it already, happened in a game right. with when a whole he was bunch of other playing, people. When he was already playing on an injury. Yes. Already trying to play NFL football with a, with a sore Achilles and then send him out there three days later. to Yeah, it's, it's like you're spinning a, a roulette wheel and hoping it doesn't come up with that double zero. Uh, yeah. Knowing eventually it's going to come up on that double zero. So. Yeah, I, I just think something's got to be done to make sure that whatever, however you rejigger the schedule, to make sure that it's never the, the, the game followed by another game three days later. That is, to me, just there's no reason for it besides the money. It's all about the money. That's right. We've, we've already figured that out. 
Yeah. Well, um, we went we went a little we went we went on a little uh, rant there. A little. Now we got to make some picks. Yeah, Yep, I was going to uh, give the plugs real quick, and then I was going to have a, a proposition for you. So give me a, a minute here. Oh. Uh, so any email you want to send us, any correspondence, you send it to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Any Twitter conversations, you can hit me up at IMLDDre. You can hit Jason up at IMLDJTG. Whenever we do make our picks, they're going to go up on the blog about an hour or so after the live show is over. The blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. You are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash inmuchlessdetail to listen to this show as a podcast in which you would get this live show and an after show after that. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can subscribe on many different apps, including TuneIn and Mixcloud and Player.fm and Blueberry and many others if you just search or in much less detail, the podcast, subscribe, and you will get this show as a podcast after it is all said and done. What I am propositioning to you because of, not just because of how little time we have left in the live show, but also because of how crazy the schedule is uh, as far as there's so much, again, with the mediocrity and the, and the big soup, as, I, as I've been calling it, uh, only two, only one game with two teams that have winning records. This entire weekend, all 13, well, including Thursday night, all 14 games had, uh, there's there's at least one team that's 500 or worse in all the games except for one. What I propose is we make that one game our highlight game and, and just cut it right there as far as highlight games and just go into the rest of the full schedule after that. Cause yeah, that's, I'm fine out, with uh, that because yeah. <laughs> we've only got half an hour left anyway, so we're kind of kicking it old school anyways right now. We're going back to the. Yeah. We're going back to season one here. <laughs> Almost. All right, so we'll go ahead and break down in, in greater detail as much as we can the six and two New Orleans Saints and the five and three Buffalo Bills and so, uh, two teams. I don't, so here's the thing. <laughs> All the things that you just said. We only have one yeah. game with two. This is the game. It's, that just tells right. you where we're at football. I was this just about to say here. Here's yeah. two teams that are way loftier in their, their records at this point of the season than anyone would have thought at the beginning of the year, and and yeah. those are the two teams we get to to break down as the two winning teams playing against each other this week. This game, these two teams, the 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 Saints with that defense that we laughed so hard at when they were zero two, but now they won six in a row, and the the Bills with that was so incredible so dynamic that we wondered why they were trading sammy watkins before the season began and, and wondered out loud if they were trying to tank they're five and three somehow and now have acquired kelvin benjamin who i assume will actually play for them uh tomorrow after he didn't play last week after the initial acquisition so the saints are three and one on the road but the bills are four and oh at home so looks like sort of an even matchup but it's really hard to trust that offense in Buffalo. It's really hard to trust Tyrod Taylor. So as a result, Drew Brees and the resurgent Saints on that six-game winning streak are the favorites. They lay three points at the five and three Bills. Jason, who you got? Yeah. Well, what I what I have been relying on and what has been somewhat trustworthy this year has been that Buffalo Bills secondary. So I don't have a I, I don't think that the Saints are going to be able to go in there and just light the Bills up through the air. I think that the Bills have been stingy. They've been stingy on the road. They've been stingy at home. 
So they're not giving it up through the air to the New Orleans Saints. But these aren't the New Orleans Saints that we've become used to. These are the Saints now that run the ball. So these, they, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, now that they've jettisoned Adrian Peterson, they've sort of unlocked the secret of letting that two-headed running attack run wild. And I don't think that the Bills offensively stack up very well. This, because, again, this isn't that Saints horrible defense. So all, all signs kind of are pointing to this being a Saints favorite, which they are. So the Saints kind of giving the three on the road, which I think would normally just scare the absolute daylights out of both of us in the past because we would think you know, it would feel unearned feels a little bit more earned now because as long as that defense isn't out there just getting gashed especially through the air which I just don't think that the bill the bills aren't the team that are going to do this the saints will run into some tests they'll play some teams that can come at you with some high-flying aerial attacks the bills just aren't it so in this scenario even though this just goes against but this whole season goes against everything that we thought we've come to know about these teams and about football. This is a different animal with the saints this year. I'm going to take the saints on the road in Buffalo, which I am just blown away when I made that pick, when I actually wrote that down and said, I'm taking the saints in Buffalo. I I, I still don't know how I feel. I feel dirty. (laughs) Well, it's that time. It's that type of year. Is that time of year to it make is. some dirty picks and some grimy picks and go, I, but you got to do something different because what's, what's usually working is not working. So <laughs> you got to come up with something different. So I, I don't blame you there. I'll even throw another monkey wrench in there that usually would swing things in the bill's favor. Uh, all this winter wonderland and, and all this cold weather that's come across the, the north and the northeast yeah. of game that's going to be most affected by that is there's no precipitation uh, for the weekend, but the coldest game of the weekend looks like it's going to be in Buffalo. It looks like 33 degrees for this game. New Orleans playing anywhere in 33 degree weather coming out of that, coming out of the South and coming out of that dome. That's also usually, Oh yeah, you got to go against the saints. They can't play in cold weather. They're coming out of the, the comfortable dome. There's no way them and the Falcons. You never take them uh, coming outside the dome, going in the cold weather. Uh, but I, I think I kind of see things the way you do that. This is a different season. It's a different Saints team. It's that playmaking defense that, that we've seen just kind of turn it on after getting embarrassed week two against the Tom Brady. And they've really been a, a different defense. They've really been impressed. Of course, all of their trends, uh, as I try to look at these teams, uh, what their trends from a few games ago and, and three or four weeks ago, they're definitely trending up in their in their pass defense, and they're also trending up in their passing offense, which is interesting because of how much they've been relying on the run lately. Uh, they're they're seventh league in running, but they're still fourth in the league in passing. These are yards per game rankings, and I'm going by. And this so is a down year they, for them. That's a down year. Yeah, they've been well, number one on. in passing yeah. offense no. the last couple of they years. They suck. And now they're only Those fourth. Bums. But they are they might be the most balanced offense they've had in a long time, is, is the point that I was making. That they don't have to just throw it in the air. They can go on the ground and also in the air. So uh, 
and and they've rolled that to a six-game winning streak. Uh, the Bills, they might get Kelvin Benjamin out there, but they've been getting some plays from this wide receiver, Zay Jones, and he will not be out. So a little bit of a switch arama there. But they might get their cornerback, EJ Gaines, back. He looks good in, look, look good in practice, and he might be out there. And they're, they're going to need him if they're going to defend the Saints' uh, passing attack. But it, it's so balanced. I don't know if there is really any defending it right now. If you give it, give it up on the run, then they're going to take the run. If you try to stop the run, then Drew Brees will just have to go to the air some more, and you know that he has no problem at all doing that. Uh, like I said, these two teams blowing past preseason expectations, but the New Orleans defense looks ready to defend uh, their position right now. So they look like the teams you, that you want to trust a little more than the Buffalo Bills. Got a pro football focus stats. Uh, when the Saints are within five yards of scoring a touchdown, Drew Brees – uh, it's completed six of seven passes, five of them for touchdowns. His one incompletion was intentionally thrown away. This is kind of what I was talking about when I talk about how my not hatred for Russell Wilson, but what what I was always against was people trying to anoint him as elite and, and talk about that he's up there with the, the Bradys and the Mannings and the Breezes and guys like that. Six of seven within five yards of scoring a touchdown and the one incompletion was intentionally thrown away. Russell Wilson will never have a line like that. As good as he may become someday, and he may be as good as he's ever going to be, but he may he may be better. He may not have hit his ceiling yet, but he's not going to be that. I remember one specific play really close to the goal line in a Super Bowl that Russell Wilson had that there's no way Drew Brees would have made that throw. No way. So this is what I'm talking about. That's what elite looks like. Six of seven with five touchdowns and and one throwaway. That's what it's supposed to look like. I trust Drew Brees. I trust the Saints right now more than Tyrod Taylor and the Bills. And I will agree with you and give the three points and take the Saints in the cold weather. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that either. I also feel dirty. We both need showers right now. Now you're just piling on poor Russell Wilson, comparing him to a Hall of Famer. But he's supposed to be elite. That's what elite quarterbacks do, right? I think I think that was the big – that's always the rush after somebody wins a Super Bowl. I mean, Joe Flacco was elite, right? Eli Manning was exactly. elite, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. I think that's just the overreaction that you get when somebody wins a Super Bowl. I mean, it doesn't matter. Whoever wins the Super Bowl instantly in Vegas is, is usually like the favorite to win again the next year. It, this is just the natural overreaction of being just in the moment with no historical perspective. I mean, I, I, come, I mean, I'd be able to pile on Eli Manning because I'll go right out and say he's not a Hall of Famer. I don't care if he has two Super Bowl rings. You know? Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone in that evaluation. But I don't, I don't look at Russell Wilson as an elite quarterback, but he is a – He's a special quarterback. I, I, I would say that because we, we, we've both we've both ragged on him and marveled at him pretty much equally equally over you know the years that we've been doing this show and the years that Russell Wilson's been in the league, where you, you, you get those highest highs with him, but unfortunately in the Super Bowl you also get some of those lowest lows or some of those really ugly games where he looks like he just can't do anything. And then he'll come out when they absolutely need him and just and just ball completely. Yeah, please don't mistake what I'm trying to say here. Russell Wilson is really good. 
He's really, <laughs> really good. He's not elite. That's all I've ever, ever been pushing back against is, yeah. is the label of elite. I'm just I have, I'm allergic to silliness and calling him and Joe Flacco and Eli Manning elite is just silliness. I'm always right. And I mean, and, and and think about had he not thrown that pick, had the Seahawks not melted down when they had a ninety some percent chance of winning that game, and they became two times give it to Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I mean. The, the hyperbole from him winning the first one would have been even over the top had they gone on and won the second one. And he may have earned it because that mistake overshadowed right. the fact that he had a really good Super Bowl. Yeah, and he actually played pretty well, in, especially in that second one. I thought he played a lot better than he played in the first one when that was just defense. I mean, that was just the, the, the Peyton Manning and the Broncos. They weren't going to get anything done against that defense. No. All right, we are moving on now to pick the rest of Week 10, the rest of the soup in the NFL in even more or less detail. Starting in the Windy City, where it will also be cold. I don't know if it's going to be 33 degrees, but it's going to be pretty chilly. These two teams are used to the cold, the Packers and the Bears, version number 7,400,000,000-whatever uh, of the rivalry. Uh, Green Bay at 4-4, four and four, uh the Bears at three and five, but because of the quarterback situation, Brett Hundley and the Packers are five and a half point underdogs at Mitch Trubisky and the three and five Bears. Once again, you feel a little dirty when you see a line like that, that the Packers minus Aaron Rodgers is pretty much the exact same Packers squad just shows you what teams become when they lose a truly elite. There's no, no, no debating Aaron Rodgers' elite status as a quarterback in this league, even more highlighted by the fact of how lost and inept that team looks coaching, play calling, execution-wise, just everything offensively. It's taking a toll on them defensively. And then you've got the Bears. There's one thing that the Bears have been able to do this year. It's play good at home. I mean, they've sprung some traps on some people at home. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky hasn't had to go out there and just be the answer. I think that porous Packers defense is, is set up here, that, that that Bears running attack. They've got that two-headed thing going with, with uh, Howard and Cohen and, you know, and Trubisky when they've needed him to throw the ball, has not thrown it, thrown it to the other team. He's been effective. I think this is not a good recipe for the Packers in the cold, reeling right now to go to Chicago and get out of this thing with a win. The size of the line does scare me a little bit because this feels low scoring and that, that usually would tend to, you know, make it harder to cover five and a half. But until I see anything from the Packers that they can do any adjusting or throw the ball more than three yards past the line of scrimmage, I'm going to have a hard time picking them against anybody. I'm taking the bears. And it, it and again, that's uh, shower number two for me already in the show. <laughs> Week four, the Cheeseheads are feeling really good about that Thursday nighter as the Packers knocked off the Bears up at Lambeau, 35-14. I believe you were at that one. I was. Uh, was that the end of Mike Glennon, by the way? It was the very. It was the first and hopefully, hopefully the very last time we ever see the match, the quarterback matchup of Mike Glennon versus Aaron Rodgers. You talk about a <laughs> mismatch. And that yeah. will not be happening uh, in this game tomorrow. Uh, general talk about Chicago's 
defense and how decent they've been this year. One specific player to highlight the pro football focus that Adrian Amos in his last two games, he's allowed four catches. Those passes, the combined yardage for those four catches that he's allowed, that was a December 6th or some early December 1989 uh, in Chicago, some day that was so cold that they shut down the schools, minus five. That was a high temperature that day, and that's how much he's allowed in those four catches, a total of minus five yards. Uh, he, he's he's having a pretty good year, and, and so are the rest of the Bears defenders. And this is uh, Brett Hundley against those rested ball hogs. Chicago, of course, coming off the bye. Um, I already called it on the lap. I'm not going to back off it. I'm, I'm going to. I'm a man of my word. I said I was going to lock it in. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Chicago all the way. Yeah. Moving on to the Vikings and the Redskins. Minnesota at 6-2 and two and Washington at only 4-4, four and four, part of that big soup. Uh, more Case Keenum for the Vikings, although Teddy B appears to be on his way back. Teddy Bridgewater looking good in practice. So apparently he, he might be getting some game action really soon. It's sort of surprising. Uh, Vikings are the favorites on the road. Basically, a pick them though. Such a small line. They're they're going to lay one and a half at Washington. Yeah, this feels like a a game where you might be overlooking it if you're the Vikings because of how underwhelming the Redskins have been so far. But if there's any advice that I have for the Minnesota Vikings? It's a trap. Don't fall into the trap, guys. This is not going to be as easy as you think. I'm going to actually take the Redskins here to win um, and lay a little trap for the Minnesota Vikings. So I think I'm feeling pretty good, feeling their oats about at that 6-2 and two record. I really like the the Redskins going on the road and beating the Seahawks. Um, they, they showed a little where, where they hung around and hung around, and when it looked like they had just received the death blow, all of a sudden there they were. And maybe Maybe now they feel like, hey, you know, Cowboys are now without their best player offensively for the next six weeks. Maybe maybe there's hope for the Redskins, who are part of the soup. Um, I'm going to take the Redskins here to see a little light. Uh, maybe Kirk Cousins will finally, finally have a good game. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to see that because he's playing for a contract here. He doesn't look like a guy playing for a contract. I'm going to take the Redskins here to lay a trap for the Vikings. Well, he's got a hell of a defense to try to play a, a good game yeah. against to finally step up. That uh, he, he managed to sneak it out late against the Seahawks defense. Now he's got the Vikings, who are probably playing better defense than the Seahawks right now. Uh, and his best target is probably Jordan Reed still after all these years and all these targets coming in and out of Washington. He's got a hamstring, so even if he plays, he might not play very well. Uh, but it looks like he's not going to even be out there. On the other side, Case Keenum might have some motivation with, with Teddy Bridgewater looking better. This might be Case Keenum's last chance to prove that he should start. Maybe he's the one that's going to be motivated in this game, and he's got a lot easier defense to try to crack than uh, Kirk Cousins has on the other side. The Washington passing offense is trending down. The Vikings pass D is trending up and getting better and better. They were 20th uh, in yards per game given up three weeks ago. They're, they're now 7th. So they've gone on quite a run defensively, um, and I'm going to stick with the Vikings to stay hot uh, and, and get the victory over the Redskins. Detroit will host Cleveland. The Browns coming off the bye. They're 0-8, looking for that first win, looking for some consistency. The, the Lions at 4-4. Four and four. 
uh, and looking for some consistency of their own, I suppose. Uh, Cleveland is, of course, the big underdog. They are 10.5-point dogs at the Lions. If there is one thing I know, and you can accurately predict about the Detroit Lions, is that they are the bum slayers of the NFL. I will take the Lions here. Well, if there's one thing that I know is that there's very few teams that go 0-16 and that somewhere along the way, the worst of the worst of the worst teams find a win somewhere on their schedule, all except for, of course, that Lions team from several years ago. Uh, Even the Browns, all these terrible Browns teams, they've always found at least one win. Look, they're coming off the bye. They're rested. They're going to get their best cornerback, uh, Jason McCourty, back. And he's going to go out there and cover a a Lions wide receiver core that can't really get open on anybody anyway. I think the Browns keep it low scoring. I think they can sneak it out. And even if they don't, it's a huge number. Ten and a half points is a lot of points. Uh, I think if they can stick those slow wide receivers, I don't know if the Lions are going to be able to score because we know they can't run the ball. They still, after all these years, cannot find a way to run the football effectively. So they're one-dimensional, and uh, I think Cleveland might actually have a chance to win one here. Wow. How do you take – wait a minute. How do you have a team that's a a 10.5-point underdog that you're calling a win for not be your lock of the week? That's how confident you are in the Bears this week, I'm guessing. Uh, half that and half I'm hedging my bet because it's the Browns. I don't want to put that much love on the Browns. (laughs) Smart move. Thank you. Steelers are coming off a bye as well and go to the Indianapolis Colts, Pittsburgh at six and two. Uh, Bryce from Brooklyn, I'm sure, would be very interested in this game. Uh, They seem like they're rounding in the form before their bye. They are huge 10-point favorites. Pittsburgh lays 10 on the road at the three and six Colts. Yeah, you know, and we've seen quite a bit of fight out of old Jake Brisket and the Colts, and they toughed one out against Tom Sa- – this isn't Tom Savage coming to town this week, guys. <laughs> this is Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, the Pittsburgh Steelers, rested, ready to go. Yeah, give me the Steelers squish. I concur, and I don't think I have anything else to add. Oh, moving on. Okay. I don't know what, what, what else to get into there. The Chargers and the Jaguars, uh, the L.A. Chargers at three and five, they are coming off the bye as well. Uh, they are five and a half point underdogs at the, you never know what you're going to get up and down five and three Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I know what I'm going to get out of the Jaguars. I'm going to get a lot of pressure on Phillip Rivers. They, they seem to excel at home. The, you know, and the Jaguars have looked, I mean, and they've even started to play better on the road. This team is really rounding out nicely. Um, they've even been doing it without Leonard Fournette. So they're doing it on defense. They're doing it on offense. They're actually making Blake Bortles look like a, dare I say, serviceable NFL quarterback. And, and, and the Chargers, if anything, being so old, are showing me that, that they're a team that that tends to play their best football early. And as every as, as the season starts to wear on, you start to see that age <laughs> start to wear this team down, and they just don't quite have it anymore. Phillip Rivers just looks more and more flabbergasted with every passing game. Yeah, that's good enough for me. 
I'm oh. taking the Jags, and I'm locking it up. You have a lot of confidence in the, the Jaguars, and I don't think I can put that much confidence in them. They are so inconsistent. They're not that good at home, actually, this year. They're, uh, two of those three losses that they have are at home. Uh, they only have one win at home if you don't count the London game, which is a home game on their schedule, but that wasn't really a home date. But uh, actually, a lot of their inconsistency and, and sort of making you scratch your head has come on, on those home games. Uh, and as far as Phillip Rivers goes, the uh, the thing that I was worried about was that it's a, a long trip. It's uh, going from coast to coast, but I'm thinking having the bye week last week, maybe that'll make it not so big of a deal that they're they're traveling east this week. It's not like they just played a game last week. So that might help a little bit. And I'm thinking Phillip Rivers, every now and then, I'm just, I just got a hunch. This is one of those games. You know how Rivers just all of a sudden sometimes has a four-touchdown, 280-yard game where, you, go, you know, the I'm not dead yet game. He just kind of resurrects and rises from the dead. I got a feeling this might be one of those games. I actually think the Chargers could win the game and cover the spread. And so that's going to be something definitely to keep an eye on since you're locking in the Jaguars to dominate. If they do and show that consistency, then they might be set up to, to go on a run for the rest of the season. But I, I can't trust them to, to do that. It's been that kind of year. We have to throw away our old perceptions. I guess you're right about that. It's, yeah, that's all I'm trying here. I'm trying something new. Speaking of throwing away perceptions, the New York Jets are four and five. Um, and I don't know what the hell to think of them anymore because they're playing a lot better than I thought they would. I, I thought they were ready to completely tank the season, but they're showing a lot of fight. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were two and one. They're not exactly showing a lot of fight because they are now two and six and they will be starting a different quarterback and top wide receiver for tomorrow's game. And as a result, the four and five Jets with Jake McCrown are favored. They're two and a half point favorites at the two and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ah, yes. But who is that quarterback that the Bucks are throwing out there tomorrow? I believe that would be interception. Right. Fitzpatrick turnover, Bernie Sanders. Anybody have any motivation to play the jets? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out there and shoves it right up the ass with the Jets tomorrow. I'm going to take the Bucks to win. This one is curious because between him, between turnover Bernie and Jake McCrown, they may set a record tomorrow for combined interceptions. Neither one of these guys know how to keep it away from the other team. What's, what's the over-under? About eight and a half for, for picks in this game? I might take the over there. Uh, Bernie might have six by himself. Uh, obviously, a lot of injuries, a lot of beat up guys. The Jets will not have Matt Forte. Uh, the Buccaneers, of course, will not have Jameis Winston. He's been shut down for a couple of weeks. Their best receiver, Mike Evans, is suspended because of that sucker punch that he threw or sucker shove or whatever you want to call it. And maybe more importantly, that Tampa Bay defense is all kinds of beat up. All those star players that they have seemingly all of them were on the injury report and some of them might not play. And uh, it's a bad time to be playing anybody, especially when you lose your best quarterback and his, his top target. So it seems like the momentum would be on the side of the jets. So uh, 
even though it should be something where you go against conventional wisdom just because of how the season has gone, I'm actually going to go with the wisdom and take the, the Jets and give the two and a half. I, now I need another shower. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> Moving oh, on. Oh, God, the Jets. The... Yeah, I mean, we're, you're taking, oh, God, yeah. the Jets. I know. The the Bengals and the Titans, the three and five Cincinnati Bengals, who should have a wide receiver suspended tomorrow in AJ Green, but they don't. Uh, nonetheless, they are still underdogs. They're four and a half point dogs at Marcus Mariota and the five and three Titans. Yeah, I mean, as, and as much as I keep waiting for the Titans to turn that corner, they had a really good opportunity to show us something last week against the Ravens. And and they didn't stick to the script. They just didn't do what they needed to do, which was the old ground and pound against a team that is set up to ground and pound. Bengals, not as soft in the middle as the Ravens. I'm going to take the Bengals and the points here. I'm just too afraid because the last disciplined, classy Cincinnati player and A.J. Green just snapped last week and put somebody uh, in a chokehold and went MMA. He's on the take. He's on the take. Shouldn't that be a metaphor for something? I'm not bright enough to come up with what that means, that A.J. Green finally snapped and went off. But there's something in there. There's a metaphor for something. The last guy, the last Boy Scout, as I said last show, finally went off. Um, I will take the Titans, and I will give the four and a half points. Houston, oh, God, and Tavich. Like I said, these new quarterbacks, and they, they showed what they had last week, and the point spreads are coming back to show what people think of them. Oh, because Brett Hundley is a big dog uh, in Chicago, and Tom Savage is a really big dog in Los Angeles, the biggest spread of the week. Houston get, uh, gets 13 points at Jared Goff in the 6-2 and two L.A. Rams. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I mean, the Rams are rolling. This is a Texans team now without their rookie star quarterback and still without their two best defensive players against this this Rams team with, with, with what they've been doing. You want to talk about taking a shower? I'm taking the Rams <laughs> and giving them all. Man. I know. That's just... You you wouldn't think you'd do that, I, I, but I have to look at the fact that the Texans' defense and uh, and the passing defense in particular, they've been getting killed all season through the air, and I did not expect that at all. Obviously, me picking Houston before the season to represent the AFC in a Super Bowl, J.J. Watt being out hurts a lot, but they were getting gashed even – with him and they continue to get gashed in the air and I don't quite know why I, I hope it's not just AJ Boye leaving it, leaving that big of a hole I don't know if it's that but whatever the reason they've been getting lit up and here comes Jared Goff and the LA Rams who are lighting everybody up through the air I gotta I gotta concur I gotta give the 13 with you and then I can't believe I'm doing that either this I've been shaking my head all season pretty much now, uh, and at least after the first three weeks when I was, you know, red hot. And now I've been just shaking my head the last seven. So this is definitely an indication of, of how crazy it's going so far. Moving on to the Cowboys and the Falcons, Dallas at five and three, but 
no Ezekiel Elliott tomorrow, unless there's a midnight injunction coming down that I don't know about. Uh, it will be Alfred Morris uh, as the starting running back for the Cowboys. They are three-point dogs at Matt Ryan and the four and four Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, the rare cop-out line. We just don't get many of these anymore this year. We get a lot fewer of them than what we used to with all the craziness going on in the league this year, where you could just give the and, home team three and run and hide. I don't. And this think wouldn't be a cop out line of Zeke was playing. No, no, it wouldn't. And I don't think that the Cowboys losing Ezekiel Elliott really kills them all that bad here. I still that offensive line is still the engine that drives that offense, and you can sort of plug and play in behind them, and they've really come together over the last you know six or seven weeks and i don't know if your metrics and the numbers that you go by indicate that but they have definitely had an uphill trend from what i can tell um with that ground game and i don't think that you know and alfred morris you know is it darren mcfadden and alfred morris they're not bums they'll be serviceable enough to get them through this stretch without ezekiel elliott the Falcons haven't played a decent game since that game when they beat the Packers, and that was, well, week two or three. I mean, we're talking way back early in the season. I haven't seen anything from the Falcons. In fact, they've had a couple games where they've just blown it at home already this year. They had the game against the Dolphins where they were up and then just blew the whole damn thing. Uh, I don't trust the Falcons. I need to see more from them. I'm going to take the Cowboys on the road here. The metrics do show them going up in the in the in the run game, actually more so in the run defense the last three weeks because of the return of Sean Lynn. I won't get into the whole Messiah thing. Um, I gave my pickup way a little bit when I talked about. I don't think it's going to be that much of a drop off between Ezekiel Elliott and Alfred Morris and company because the offensive line is is clicking as a unit and dominating and mauling like they're supposed to. Um, and I also don't like seeing Julio Jones limping around, which he was doing on the sideline last game. So I will take the Cowboys along with you and give the three points. We only did one highlight game. We're still running out of time for these last picks. So That's how we roll. Some, some of these are <laughs> we're going to break down more in the after shows. So bear with us. Uh, New York Giants and the San Francisco 49ers and that one combined win between them in the tidy bowl game of the week. The Giants are actually two-and-a-half-point favorites at the 0-9 49ers. Yeah, I don't care. I saw enough with the Giants, with, with the quit fest that they played last week. I'm not taking them here. On the road? Are you kidding me? I'm taking the 49ers to get their first win. I concur. I got both the uh, Owen whatever teams this week uh, winning their first games of the season uh, for the exact same reason. That New York D that quit last week and they're hurt. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Niners. On Sunday night, it's the Panther, or, uh, the Patriots, not the Panthers, uh, going to the Broncos. The six and two New England Patriots are seven point favorites at the three and five Denver Broncos. Yeah, it is dirty. You were talking about feeling dirty about making a pick. I'm taking the Broncos. Oh, yeah. We'll have to get into that a little more in the after show. Uh, yeah, that's uh, another new quarterback, Brock Osweiler. We saw what he did against Philly, and as a result, he's now a seven-point home underdog, and that that seems very fitting. I will take the Patriots uh, and give the seven, and I'll get into that in the after show as well. Monday night, it's Miami at Carolina. The Dolphins at four and four are nine-point dogs at the six and three Panthers. Yeah, I'm taking the Dolphins and the points here strictly. I haven't seen enough from the Panthers yet to, to justify that size of a spread. 
Yeah, I, I concur. Um, uh, can see the Carolina winning the game, and I will, however, take the Dolphins to uh, perform and stay within nine points. It seems like way too many points for uh, for an inconsistent team like the Panthers to cover. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're now well, in the VIP after show. Got it in. Yeah, barely, as always. Like you said, yeah. that's how we roll. Uh, so yeah, do you want to get into any of these last few uh, a little more in depth? Uh, Patriots and Denver, and the Denver Broncos. Patriots are coming off a bye, so Tom Brady, nice and rested and ready to go. And Brock Osweiler, after that performance last week, uh, who knows what to expect from him? Uh, but you, you think that the, that the Broncos are going to stay close? Yeah, you know, I, and you're not going to like this when I say this because I really don't have anything more than. I just kind of have a oh, feeling no. about this one, you know. Just it's not a, as bad as oh. it's not as bad as it just because, but it's kind of just a feeling I get that the Patriots kind of have some like bad juju juice or something up there in mile high. And Brock Eisenhower, <laughs> Jackson, uh, the bad juju yeah. juice, that, that's so like Jesus, Jesus juice. Jesus juice. Oh, I'm sorry. He might he might go back and actually recall that one of the better games he played was at home under the lights against the Patriots in a big comeback up in Denver. Maybe this is something that, you know, Brock Osweiler isn't afraid and he knows that, you know, the, the lights are on and maybe just maybe the Denver Broncos defense will show up after getting embarrassed. Uh, they're not that bad. No. You know, they're, they're really not that bad. And, uh, the Patriots defense, uh, maybe maybe they haven't fixed that defense yet. Maybe there'll be some opportunities for that Denver offense. I mean, the spread's big. I'm really, really, really just hoping for something late to keep this get this game close. I'm not expecting the Broncos to win. I'm just needing them to stay within a touchdown. And I was trepid, uh, I had trepidation about getting seven points to uh, for a road team. Uh, against a, a a a good veteran unit that got embarrassed last week and probably should come out and play a lot better tomorrow just for the pride factor, never mind the fact that it's a, a rival, that the Patriots have been a, a rival of the Broncos for the last five years or so. And I still went and took the Patriots and gave the seven anyway because that's how terrible uh, Osweiler looked against the Eagles. And I also had a little bit of a flashback to their last meeting last week, last year, week 15, where the Broncos looked like they sort of had perfected how to play Tom Brady. We we remember what they did against the Patriots in the playoffs a couple of years ago uh, before they went on and beat Cam Newton and won the title. They They got Tom Brady at home. They beat him about the face and head. They gave him about point. 004 seconds between uh between the snap and, and how his time to throw on average it felt like and they they pretty much played that exact same way last year gave them hardly any time they only scored uh 16 points the Patriots did and yet they won the game 16 to 3 because Trevor Simeon was the one that played like ass on the other side and I don't know if Osweiler's going to do any better than Trevor Simeon tomorrow I don't have any reason to think he is uh, as bad as Simeon had been this year and as bad as he was in that game last year. I think it might be a similar game that New England, they might not get their offense in full gear the way 
one might expect them to, but I think they're going to get it in gear enough to win the game by a touchdown or more because the Broncos offense appears to be broken right now. It doesn't matter which quarterback they throw in. I don't know if Paxton Lynch is going to be any better as a third option whenever he's healthy, but I know they're they're ready for him. They're waiting, they're ready for him to get healthy and get in there and, and give it a shot because Simeon and Osweiler are not the answer right now, and I don't think that's going to change uh, anytime soon. I, I just think the, the Patriots are going to outlast and outplay the Broncos because of the quarterback situation primarily. I mean, yeah, I know it's not like, I, again, again, none of these picks I feel all that great about this week. Right. When I went through and I made the picks, I, I know you're feeling the same way when you're making the picks right mm-hmm. now. You're looking at them and you're like, ah, you you know, in your mind, you can almost justify both sides. There's very few picks this year where I've looked at it and gone, yep, that's what I got. I've I've had this all week. I didn't even need to see the line. I knew who I had. I mean, really, the only you know one of the only games I really had that with was your lock, the Bears. I knew all week that the Bears were gonna you know the Packers are gonna go to Chicago and lose tomorrow. I was saying had to work today, and you know, people my coworkers like what the, the Bears? I was like, uh, yeah, why 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 not the Bears? I mean. So we both love that all all week. So you know what that means. The Packers are going to win. Brett Hundley's just Mm going to ball out. Yep. Pick him up in your fantasy league now, folks. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to say it. He's throwing for four touchdowns. They're just going to open up that offense, and Brett Hundley is just going to go absolutely insane. But, no, I I don't – you know, two games in a row at home in favorable situations – and he couldn't get it done. Now he's going to go on the road to, yeah, this would be this year for him. To, the way this year's going, it would be, this would be so 2017 that, you know, Brett Hundley goes down to Chicago and just looks lights out. And, you know, Brock Osweiler beats the Patriots. And what what, what else no. do we have here? You know, Tom Savage. Knocks Tom off Savage, the Rams. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Savage goes down 12 and a half point dog. Goes to Houston, and I mean, yeah, goes actually. Uh, Houston comes into his house. Tom Savage just kills the. Yeah, this is the way yep. this season is going. Oh, man, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to expect anymore. Jake Brisket throws three touchdowns, and the Colts beat the Steelers. You know, we'll have know. to remember this portion right here of the show because if that happens, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta rip that. And play that oh like on the God. next show when we do the recap because if if we just predict the least likely <laughs> scenario and then it happens, I, I guess we are experts in sort of a backhanded um, sort of way. Sure, I'll take it. I, I, so if someone's been just betting against us, someone's been taking our picks over the last six weeks, my picks all year, your picks for the last six seven weeks. And they're just taking our picks and going to Vegas and betting the opposite. They're making money. Making a lot of money. Oh, I don't even want to think about how how much better my record would be if I just would have flipped all of my picks since week four, basically. Oh, well, yes, yeah, since week four, because for the whole season you're still you're still above five hundred. But after three weeks, I was way above five hundred. I was above seven hundred. Yeah. yeah, you've only know, given back you know, two hundred points. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm gonna cry. 
Uh, uh, so we both had Miami uh, to cover nine against Carolina. Yeah, it's just really hard to trust Cam Newton in Carolina anyway, but especially now with let's trade Kelvin Benjamin and make our number one receiver, you know, Curtis Samuel or somebody else you never heard of or something. Yeah. I still don't quite know what that what's going on there, so I, I don't trust that. Um, and another factor that I actually underlined on my sheet but did not talk about during the live show, there's uh, there's four teams left. I haven't had their buy yet, and I kind of look at them like it's, it's getting pretty late in the year to be just playing all these games in a row. This this does not count the the Buccaneers who had their buy and the Dolphins who had right. their buy in week one. They're playing a bunch of consecutive games too, but Four teams are, are playing their their tenth straight game here this week out of ten, and that's the Colts, the Jets, the uh, 49ers, and the and the Panthers. Uh, and so I would tend to skew a little bit and, and be a little skeptical. I didn't go through and do the research and see what happens with teams that have their buys in the second half of the season. How 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 badly do they do? But I, you got to think there's wear and tear and, and beat up guys on on both on both sides of the football for those teams that haven't had their bye yet. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I mean, we grew up in a time when there were no bye weeks. That's right, when men were men and, and right. not came out of their nose and everything else. You just played your 16 games and you liked it. Well, but what would those teams do uh, that we grew up watching in the 80s? What what would they do against the guys against the athletes of today is it's also as much as I, I love the 85 bears i know you got to stick on there's so much hype around them but as much as i, oh, love, I love those that guys team. i love that team i just never cared for the bears after 85 <laughs> what would they do against these athletes today how much of a slaughter would that be to try to watch uh gary fensick and, and those defensive yeah. backs trying to keep up with you know Calvin Johnson and Andre Johnson and the, the the receivers that we have today that were nothing like what they had to deal with back then. And Refrigerator Perry would get steamrolled by Adrian Peterson and, and all these strong running backs. Uh, it was the the athletes of of today are so incredible, and it, it's not even this, so they they're getting more hurt it seems nowadays, but yep. with the buys. But it's because of how hard they play and how much better shape they were, how much greater athletes they are. Not because they're softer at all. It's it's actually the opposite. They're so much harder that they're doing even more damage to themselves, and that's why they probably need the buys and the off weeks more than the old guys did. Yeah, these guys are so conditioned now that they are conditioned right to the breaking point, and that's why the fragility is so much higher. But I will answer your question one way with a question. I will answer your question with a question about if we took the 85 bears and, and had them play some of the teams today. My question is to you, are we playing with 1985 rules or are we playing with 2017 rules? Cause if we're playing with 1985 rules. There's some, you know, <laughs> there's some damage <laughs> that those, you know, that, that are you telling me that, that buddy Ryan, <laughs> you know, with the time to game plan for one of these high flying teams with, you know, with all these superior athletes and wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to come up with something. That's or, fair. Or you get Mike no, Singletary or Richard Dent. And yeah, maybe, yeah. Someone's going down if you're playing those guys. Um, 
Half but if you're playing under Lawrence Taylor delivered would be flags right now. Yeah. yeah. I told you, yeah, if you're playing under the 2017 rules where you can't touch anybody, you can't do anything, everything, you know, illegal contact, all the, the, the five-yard buffer zone, None of, a lot of these rules that these teams played with back in the 80s when defense ruled, which made the, the, those really high-flying offensive teams so special when we think about the, the, the Niners, the, even the Oilers, the Bills, you know, those teams were doing it against much stiffer defenses than what we're seeing now. So, yeah, if we're playing under 85 rules, I give the Bears just as good a chance, you know, with all those guys in their prime against a a great team, you know, one of our Super Bowl, more more current Super Bowl teams. You telling me that, 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 that the 85 Bears would let, you know, Tom Brady this little finesse shit with all these timing routes up and down the field on him? I don't think so. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But if we took the 85 Bears and we uh, we just dropped the 85 Bears, though, into 2017, they'd have no chance because they'd be be penalized off the field. That's for sure. The Theismann play in today's by today's uh, rules is a is a flag, correct? You can't you can't dive at the uh, leg anymore. Yeah, that's a as a flag, a fine, and possibly a suspension, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. You can't go at the well, leg. Uh, how does Carson Palmer feel about that that rule now? You know, after his after he was sent into re- early retirement, you know, by a guy diving straight <laughs> into his knees, and that was that was not flagged, by the way, and that was about right. as blatant and dirty as it gets. Yeah, I was about to say I don't know if he if it would help him too much because he'd still be crumpled on the field and crying, even though uh, the flag would be thrown. It, it really wouldn't right. change that was, much. That was that was oh five. So was, as much as we think as we've evolved in the NFL, that was only you know twelve years ago when that happened to Palmer. Right. Oh, and that really kicked off a lot of these rule changes for for yep. sure. They really uh, are, are protecting the quarterbacks as much as possible now. Even though, as we said, protecting them is it, it's just for show. It's not, they're not actually protecting. If they actually were protecting no. these guys, Russell Wilson would not have been allowed to go back out on the field Thursday night. That's correct, which is now the second instance this year, this calendar year, this is the second instance where it's been, you know, a quarterback takes a blow to the head, clearly should not be playing at all, and is allowed to come back and play. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. right. And, and and these aren't even counting all the instances of Cam Newton, who's exempt apparently from all the concussion <laughs> protocol rules, who calls his own number, gets jacked up all the time, and seems like he gets thrown back into games when he's clearly not right. There have been two or three times this year where you could just look out and see that, that he was hurt or there was something going on where he – was affected by hits that he was taking and still allowed to go out there and play. Nah, he's fine. He's got his bell rung. Yeah. He's a big, tough guy. Yep. He can take it. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So, yeah, it's interesting always when we have those discussions about plucking teams from the past, you know, and, and dropping them and dropping them in. I, I would even defy you to say, like, some of those early, early Super Bowl teams, you know, the the, the the old Packers teams or the Colts or the Jets or the, the old Raiders teams, you know, you drop some of the teams from today back into the sixties <laughs> where every flag, all, every play would have been a flag in this rules today. 
So well, before they even start playing, first they, they look around crying. at all the uh, uh, yeah. they look around at the opponents and go, God, these guys are tiny. Is this a high school team? Who are these guys? We, yeah. So, so they're all getting just jacked up by them. <laughs> right. They. So that's the thing. You can't hit that, me like that. <laughs> the old teams would, would struggle to even get to the quarterback because they would get shoved around and pushed around by all these 350-pound offensive yeah. linemen. But the moment they get there, they finally get their hand on them, they're wrenching their their head around or grabbing a face mask or twisting their legs or <laughs> grabbing their nuts. And they're that's not right. expecting to be flagged for any of it because that's how they play yeah. back then. I mean, these guys, these players from the day, if you dropped them back in the 60s or 70s, would all be rocking in the, you know, fetal position on the sideline like they're in a PMS ad on TV. Don't let Lawrence Taylor come at me again, please. Please. (laughs) I don't like him. He's not very friendly. We've had a couple of those special defensive teams that could probably play in any era, but I would take those teams. I would take that that Seahawks team that beat the the Broncos, the 2000 Ravens, 85 years. I would take one of those teams because those that plays in any era. Sure. You know. Yeah, that's the, the special combination of athleticism and coaching, where you got the right coaches taking the right guys, the right players, and teaching them exactly what you're supposed to do, and it's like a it's like a machine. Now you just right. you know turn them towards the field and say, sick them. And you, and they go out there with the, with the game plan in mind and they just do what they do. And, and yeah, there's, you say there's no offense that could stop that. I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see, you know, Brady and Moss and that 16 and no Patriots uh, have a, have a crack at them, but oh, sure. it, it'd be a, be a hell of a fight. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, and I, there's also that sort of like geek side of me that would love to see like that, that timing, that perfect timing Patriots offense go up and play one of those Joe Montana 49ers teams, you know? Oh yeah. And and just watch a couple of guys who've clearly mastered their system go at each other. I said that S word again. <laughs> well, you you didn't level the the accusation and the uh the if we ever get big one day, the the thing that you're going to say that's going to make uh, uh, Sully in Boston call every day. Uh, call the state when I talk about Tom Did he Brady's say Tommy goal. was? Did he Tom's say he was the, the greatest system quarterback? I can't believe he said that. I'm going to call every day until you get him fired because he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Oh, man. Yeah, back in the yard. Tell him I'll meet him at Harvard Yard any day he wants. <laughs> No, I, 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 I have not minced my words on that one. You heard me right, folks. Tom Brady is the greatest system quarterback of all time. He said it again. I know. I know. It's a glutton for punishment. Um, uh, so I don't know. Uh, what else you got? I've had a long work week myself. So. Oh, I've I've been up. I have a long work week. I've uh, been every day since Tuesday. I have put in minimum ten hours at work, so that's been fun. Um, you know my drive time, so I you know I have an hour and a half to two hours worth of drive time every day. So it's been long days. My kids twice this week have had me up before five. Today was one of Ooh. those days, so I've actually been up since a quarter to five this morning. 
Um, it's funny that you said the other S word. I said the, the, the S word about Tom Brady, you know, the bad S word. Um, I said the other S word, the four letter bad S word up here in Wisconsin, snow, which we had again yeah. last night. This is the third time that we have had a measurable snowfall already. And we're not even at, you know, it's basically it's Veterans Day. And we've already had right. three messy, measurable snowfalls. We got another two, three inches of snow last night. So, again, I leave for work early. It doesn't make for a good drive. So, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been, everything's been weird. It's just been a weird year in general. Yeah, I'll agree I with might, that. Our little, our little uh, co-host, the cute factor, uh, lost her first tooth today. I saw the pictures on Facebook. It was the, the cutest. Oh, there you go. Tooth. Oh boy! So you know, super happy, so excited because you know who's coming to town tonight. Oh yeah, I remember the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, the Tooth Fairy's got to come and, and visit Trini, and yeah, she's excited. It was fun. I, I was almost. If she hadn't gotten up at four forty-five this morning, um, she went to bed only about ten minutes before the show started. So I would have, I would have snuck her on air, but I know her mom was in a big hurry to get both of them into bed tonight. So uh, yeah. when, when you're, when you, when you have two little ones who are both up in the, the wee hours of the morning and you got to go through them with the whole day. And my wife was tired too. Cause she, you know, every, we've, everybody in this house has been up since four forty-five this morning. So yeah, it was a long day. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. Sounds like a long day. I, uh, I haven't worked 10 hours, but I did work every day this week including today so six days in a row yeah. and so i'm certainly ready to knock off tomorrow and, and just enjoy some football and chill and relax and and take it easy yeah um, i'll be working tomorrow you, uh, get those so be, those hours get that money get the get the christmas shopping ready to go right oh it's it's and it, i cannot believe how close everything is. I mean, we're less than two weeks away from Thanksgiving and I don't even feel like even closely prepared at all for the yeah, holidays. I'm just not ready. I mean, it's going to, I'm going to be sitting there in less than two weeks eating Thanksgiving dinner. Like, am I really doing this? I mean, is this, <laughs> is this happening? Is this, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. It feels like Thanksgiving. I'm doing all the Thanksgiving things, but it can't be Thanksgiving yet. Right. It, it, that's really the feeling that I get. Like it has literally just crept up out of nowhere and everything has just flown by here recently. And yeah, Thanksgiving's here. I was like, well, okay. So you and I get one more, one more week of picks and then we're into Thanksgiving week. And then it's just that, that, that just, you know, once Thanksgiving hits, it's, it's the countdown to Christmas begins and I'm sure that'll fly by too. So, yeah, it's been it's been wild, but we disagree on a few this week. This is another weird week. It is. I uh, I meant to count them up real quick, so I'll do that right now. But yeah, um, that's the that's the not the main thing, but one of the big things about this this sort of soupy mix of mediocre teams in the NFL is that when you go past Thanksgiving, that's turning into the the home stretch that's going you know into the, three quarters of the season is gone. And usually that's the time where the teams sort of rise to the top. The, the teams that have been dominant all year are sort of salting everything away 
and, and the other teams are starting to chase and try to nail down those other playoff spots. There's so many teams in the soup right now that this year the home bridge is going to be uh, – it's going to be remind me of some of those turf races at, at Hawthorne uh, where you get to the to the to the turn in the top of the stretch, and all ten of the horses are stretched across the track, pretty much even, and you have no idea who's going to emerge and and take the lead and win the race. It's just they're they're, they're all so right there with each other that it's hard to figure out who's going to pull ahead and who's not. So it's going to be one of the weirder home stretches that I've seen in a long time because I don't know who's going to emerge and who's going to fall back, but it's it's. I, I still don't know quite what to make of the season. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure we're still due for a fall. I mean, I think that there's a team now that everybody's just got that's a shoe in that's probably going to go through a decline too. It, it, it's going to be, it's who's who's it going to be? The Eagles. Lee. Well, well, so far it hasn't panned out. They, they are, you know, as close to running away with anything as a team can be right now. We are different on six picks this week, but the one, of course, okay. that I think is the most interesting is that one where you have the Jags locked in to put forth the right effort, and I have the Chargers yeah. to come in and actually knock them off. So, well, uh, you know, one to keep an dis- eye on. You disagreed with me last week in that game that we broke down in way too much detail with the Colts <laughs> and the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Well. That's what I get for backing Tom Savage. At least I'm backing Phillip Rivers. At least he's a veteran. No, I, I get that. I get that. No, I've just I, – I, I've been, you know, I've been somewhat impressed with the ja- – but was it plus 89 was the number? Yeah, something like that. Uh, when they win, they dominate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got all the – we've got the perfect storm here, you know. We've got the cross-country trip. We've got an an aging, slowing team. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think the Jags are going to be able to get after uh, Philip Rivers. They could have another seven, eight sacks. I think easily. Now, Rod, Rivers is enough of a veteran that he'll he'll just throw the ball away. But the Jags, they just keep coming after you. That defense is it's fun. It's one of, we don't get a lot of fun defenses. You know, we used to get that with the Seahawks before they became sort of the Legion of Room. The Jags are starting to become that new fun defense, especially now that we don't have the Texans um, playing any defense hardly anymore. Yeah, RIP to the Texans, and and, and I'm I'm not going to play the taps for them. But, yeah, I thought they still had some life, but obviously they don't. Right, and then this is a weird week because some of those teams that we, you know, some of the some of the – teams like the Eagles and the Raiders. No, no Eagles, no Raiders this week. Yeah. All those bye weeks. It, yeah, you got some. Just, yeah, we've been having some. We've been having. We've been struggling to even find highlight games this year. We have one. That's, that's, that's another big Chiefs. team that's off. Yeah, there's there's three good teams. You know, what, you know, two two teams have been paying mostly great for the early part of the season. I mean, your top two MVP candidates so far: Carson Wentz and Alex Smith, and the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders who, again. <laughs> oh, I have to get now. I need. I'm gonna have to take some tums after this show tonight. We need long hot showers and anti antacids after talking about the NFL right now. 
Yeah, uh, my wife's going to be like, what, what, what are you saying in the shower? I'm going to be crying in the shower as I'm lathering <laughs> up going, why? Why? <laughs> That's the NFL in a nutshell, folks. That's it right there. <laughs> not, not that I wanted to paint that picture for any of our listeners, but that, that's what it's become. This is what we've become. Hey, it is what it is. And we'll somehow find a way to go three and three in these six games because right. that's sort of the rhythm that we've fallen into here. And then we'll both claim, you know, geniusness over the other on the on the recap show. And then the games in which we agree will go like one and six. <laughs> right. So we're on our way to, to, to four and eleven and one. Or or four and ten and one or whatever it is because of Thursday night. Got the the push in the books. Thank, again, thank you, Jeremy Lane, wherever you are. It's been a lot of pushes this year. Yeah, it's been a ton of them. That was the ninth already this year. Yeah, I mean, that's one a week almost. Yeah. I mean, we used to go through seasons with maybe two or three for the whole year. Right. Nine pushes in week 10. I I have no explanation for that either. It just it fits perfectly with the rest of the NFL this year. It just defies Vegas logic. Vegas knows what they're doing. If they've, they've Vegas has nailed nine spreads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now what about all the others? Cuz it's been the the story of the the spreads so far this year has actually been the amount of underdogs that are it's, it's some of these weeks have been just underdog dominated. I think one of these past weeks, the underdogs won every game except one or something like that. Yeah, Isn't that was early. Just that crazy. was fairly early in the season. Um, it's, it's been yeah. city for the most part this year. I'm good to go for Tuesday, um, but it will have to be a 10 o'clock show. Oh, okay. Because I work on Tuesday, which I usually don't. Um, but I'm working on Tuesday and I work on Wednesday. So honestly, at that point, take your pick, whichever one you prefer between Tuesday and Wednesday to do the <laughs> recap show. Uh, no, we'll do uh, Tuesday because Wednesday with my bowling league, it worked out for me this week because we had two people that were not there from our team this this week. So we actually got out on time. When we have our full team there, we're usually the last team uh finishing because we have such our, our bowlers are slow we just oh. take our own sweet time for some reason so but uh i think everybody will be back next uh next week this coming wednesday so we, we uh, tuesday would work much better for uh for our recap show uh yeah wednesday was this past wednesday i decided to go in and work That's usually my off day but i decided to go get some overtime so like nothing I, I haven't had recently. It wasn't ten hours of work, but uh, in its own way, it was it was pretty crazy because it was a uh, uh, five or six o'clock wake up, five thirty six o'clock wake up uh, to go to work for uh, six six and a half hours, come home, rush to do a load of laundry and the dishes, uh, which took up all of my time from uh, two something until six then leave at six to go bowling for three games and then rush home to do the show for two hours. And we still have two hours with an after show that included such uh, events as looking up www.thebus36.com. And uh, 
bed uh, go to bed at twelve thirty that night uh, to cap a very very long day. You know, that was, that I gotta was, tell you, when, I went back and and listened to that show. <laughs> that after show was cracking me up. That, 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 that <laughs> was too. that was a special that was a special after show. Uh, was, you know, we yeah. have, we've had some, we've had some, we've had quite a few where the after show actually ends up being better than the regular portion of the show. <laughs> but that one, that one was special through and over so much randomness. Just, just the stream, the stream of consciousness from our lives of, 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 of sports watching and, and some of it together is just all this, you know, the bus 36.com and the Don Cricky game and just all <laughs> the stuff that we've, uh, all the stuff that we were just sort of just like remembering, you know, that, that was some fun. That was a fun show. So I, I, I definitely recommend everybody go back and listen to the, you know, definitely listen to the after show portion of the recap show that we had last, uh, last show on uh, Wednesday night. That was, some, that was some fun, fun stuff. We, we kind of, we could have kept going cause I, I was trying to sneak in one last point and got snipered. I wasn't done yet. It was incredible. Yeah. After all of that, uh, I was trying to talk about this, douchebag radio host in Boston that found a way to make fun of Roy Halliday for dying in a plane crash. Which yeah. why uh, would you want what? to do that? I, I don't uh, understand the logic. Have, he like, well, must have had it out for Roy Halliday. Like he had a personal axe to grind with old Doc Holliday. I was about to lie and say I don't understand why you would do that. I, I completely understand why you do that because nobody knew who the fuck he was before, and now people know who he is. Yeah. Although I'm not going to yeah, say his no. name or look him up, but yeah. a lot of people did. So I, I actually it's do understand shock, exactly why he did it. It's the old shock jock mentality, you know, just just mm-hmm. say something so over the top horrible, you know. I mean, I'll say something over the top horrible every once in a while, but it's usually done in a you know, it's not usually done in a mean spirited way, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all for the service of a joke, <laughs> you know, right. or, 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 a groan or a laugh. Yeah. That's just, you know, I, I won't just go right out and make fun of somebody, you know, for dying in a plane crash and, you know, and, and actually like dance on their grave. It sounds like what this guy was doing almost. Call him like right. call him an idiot for flying his plane. Come on. Yeah, that that was uh, that was. We go over the top a lot, but that was way over the top. And I, I I know how I feel about some of the things that I say. Well, I guess everything that I say. I've always I, I try to take the attitude. There isn't a damn thing that comes out of my mouth that I don't intend to come out of my mouth. So I'm never going to be the one that says something and then later apologizes for it. And that was probably the thing that was most galling about what he did is that he already issued an apology for it. Dude, you said oh. that. You said those things. You didn't Come make on. a mistake. What are you apologizing for? You wanted to be the douchebag that made fun of Roy Halliday for killing himself in the plane crash. You did it. You wanted to be the guy who did it, and you did it. Don't take it back now. Don't apologize. You're the, you're the man. You're the yeah. douchebag. Just own it. Did he give the really? Did he give the worst apology of all time? The uh, the Kevin Spacey apology, non apology apology with the I I I I don't remember if I did that, but if I did, I feel really bad because I was drunk and 
whole situation has made me reassess my life, and now I <laughs> choose to live as a gay man. That would have been the best. If that would have been his apology, then he would have taken the whole thing next level. See, that's right. how you do it. That's how you how you double down. You don't just take one shot. You take two. I'm so disinterested in the guy that I didn't read the apology. I don't know if he uh, decided to live life as a gay man or not. I don't know if it he, he was, came out and did that. It made the news because of how ridiculous and self-serving the apology was like he was trying to cast the whole thing aside by trying to make news of his own Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean it was it was so cynical and self-serving that everybody came out uh, against it like even like even the gay people you know even like the lg i forget there's so many letters now (laughs) that whole community all came out like dude that's wrong. <laughs> and from everything I've ever like, heard about Kevin Spacey, yeah, that that like we don't is want exactly you. how Stay straight. Go back to being straight. We don't want you. <laughs> from everything I've ever heard about him, that's exactly the response that that he would be expected to have would be to make it all about oh, himself man. and that he's the oh, victim yeah. and he was going through things and you know, yeah, that that's. Yeah, they're he's all dancing a, on his grave now. So apparently, he had some bridges burnt because everybody's coming out just dancing on his grave right now. Some MMA fighter uh, did what you said. I, I'm not going to look him up either, but somebody did double down in the face of controversy. Um, and I'm going to get a lot of the details wrong probably, but basically some guy went to – it wasn't Brazil, but it, it may have been Brazil – he went to he went to some I think South American country, compared uh, won the fight in got in the cage oh. won the fight in that country and in the post match interview I believe compared the people of that country to rabid dogs or dirty dogs and said that all the people here are dirty and they're this that and the other and, and everyone rightfully came down on him for his comments and apparently he needed security to get out of the arena and at his hotel that night and in his apology the next day on quote-unquote apology the next day i think it was on twitter uh he said that he actually apologizes to all dirty dogs out there for comparing him to the people of brazil so that, that was now what, that, uh, that sir sir that's that the is how you double down that is how right. you do it that's how he did. That, that that was a Conor McGregor move, basically. That was just trying to make everyone <laughs> you can try to make everyone as mad as possible and, and just deal yeah. with the consequences afterwards. That is how. He, but I'll tell you what: if you're gonna do it, that's what you do. Right. So this 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 shock jock guy with the whole the Roy Halliday thing, he he pussied out. I'm sorry. You you say something like that. And then, oh, I, I got to issue an apology now because, you know, oh, but, you know I'm going to lose my show or my, my sponsors are going to pull out and, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just a pushover and I'm a whore, you know, no, you double down. I don't even know what the apology could be. What do you say? You, you didn't make a mistake. Yeah. You can't yeah, say you I'm run sorry out there, for those who were offended. You don't run out there firing off one gun. You pull out the double barrel at that point. Because you're already digging <laughs> oh. the grave. You might as well just jump all the way in. Just don't do just don't do it half ass and go one foot in. Just jump in. It would kind of be like what my in my 
in my dreams, what the, the speech that I would give at my job if I ever won the lottery. And I saw this on uh, somebody's stand-up show. I don't remember many years ago. Somebody did this routine uh, in, in their stand-up, and I, I just wanted to steal it and t- walk into my job the, the morning after I win the lottery with a piece of paper and just stand up in front of everybody and go, <clears throat> the following people can kiss my fat black ass and don't forget the crack. And just read the list of all the people at my job that I can't stand, and and it would be a long wow. list. Believe me. Uh, so that's that's what I would imagine. You, you want to double that? You want to go full barrel and open up all the, yeah. the the weapons that you can, and just take a fire hose to everybody. That's uh, that, that's pretty much something I would do if, if I had the means. Yeah. So yeah. So this guy. Not only do you lose respect for him for saying something stupid. Then you lose respect for him for just not being a man enough to own it. Just own it. Just, oh, you, you said, said it. it. You didn't. You didn't make the mistake. You you set out to do that. You woke up that morning and said, "I'm going to do this," and you did it. So just own it. Yeah. And if the apology was one of those my publicist wrote it type of apologies, I respect you even less. I, I can't imagine what it could have been, and I'm not going to give him the time of day to go look and, and read it. Because he doesn't uh, do yourself a favor though, and just read read the the gibberish that was the Kevin Spacey apology. I believe I, I did I almost, read it the day that I happened. almost gave you I gave you sort of like the Cliff Notes version of it because I've seen it yeah. almost it's become it's become meme worthy because it's such a joke. Uh, yeah, I mean I I've been I, I, you. <laughs> You see it now where it's one of these things where anybody who's accused of something, all of a sudden, <laughs> you'll see somewhere in a forum or on a posting board, somebody will put the, oh, this this whole episode has made me reassess my life. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, okay, I get it. You earned it. You know. Well, Charlie Manson is going to announce from the jail cell that he's chosen to live life as a gay man now. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the murders or any of that right. stuff. We're gonna just shift that focus. You know, we're just gonna we're just gonna, you know, just deflect and then try to somehow make this into the newsworthy story about myself. Instead of just going, I didn't do it. You gotta do the Clinton. You just put the finger just do the finger wag, you know? Or the Raphael Palmero. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. Rafi uh, Rafi Palmero did the the, the the Clinton finger wag, you know, at the at the yep, at the was, Balco. Let here. me be clear. That was a let me be clear. I have yeah. never used performance enhancing drugs. Never. Okay, Rafi. Yeah, we all know how that. The finger wag apparently is not uh, an indication of truth. It's apparently just the opposite. <laughs> Fingers pointing the wrong direction. That's the problem. Exactly. It should have been this guy right here. No thumbs on those guys. Nope. All fingers. <laughs> it was me. You got me. Oh, man. All right. I think that's a show, huh? I think so. The one we uh, were trying to end 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Enjoy your football tomorrow, everybody. I will certainly enjoy mine, and you will enjoy yours at work, Jason, of course. I'll enjoy my red zone tomorrow. Red zone. There you go. Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Central. 
Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern, for our recap show of Week 10 in the Big Soupy NFL as we, once again, try to get some clarity on this league this year. And I, I don't know how clear it's going to be after tomorrow, but we, we can only wait and see, I suppose. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be here Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Central, to recap Week 10. Enjoy your football tomorrow. We will talk to you Tuesday night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.